You are listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. From September 29th, 2019 at Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida, the text is Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who was feasting sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side, and he cried out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things. And Lazarus, in like manner, evil things, but now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us is a great chasm has been fixed so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so. No one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers that he may warn them so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. You should listen to them. He said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they they will repent. He said to him, they do not listen to Moses and the prophets. Neither will they be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. It's just a small, small thing, really. Forgetting my reusable grocery bags and going to the grocery store and coming home with 20 plastic disposable bags. It's just a small, small thing, right? It doesn't really matter. It doesn't hurt that much, does it? Just a few bags from the grocery store a couple of times a week. It's just a small, small thing, really, (laughs) right? Just a small, small Small, 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 small thing. Doesn't really matter, does it? It was just a small, small thing for the rich man to feast sumptuously every single day. He could afford it. You know, what's the harm? No harm, no foul. It was just a small, small thing for him to dress in lavish purple without regard for the women or perhaps even small children working in slave-like conditions to fashion his fine duds. Just a small thing. It was just a small thing for him to ignore the poor man sitting by his gate just wanting some scraps. I mean, what's he supposed to do anyway? Give him a bedroom? It's just a small, small thing. But what we find out is small things add up, don't they? 
Now, just for some context, this story about the rich man and the poor man Lazarus and their fate after their death, this is a story that Jesus told. He maybe made it up or maybe appropriated it from some other place, but it's a story he told to his frenemies, the Pharisees. And it's out of the context where he's talking to the Pharisees about their love of money. And let's just be clear, he was not endearing himself to the Pharisees with this story. And so we find out that Jesus juxtaposes this rich man who's living it up and this poor man with dogs licking his sores. And he knows that the Pharisees, in hearing the story, are identifying with the rich man who wouldn't. Would you rather be the rich man or the guy having his sores licked by dogs? All right, okay, yeah. So he knows that they're identifying with this rich man until the t- plot twist. See if I can do that in heels. The plot twist where after their death, the rich man is in agony and pain and suffering, and the poor man is now hanging out with Father Abraham, sitting on his couch, watching Monday Night Football and his 98-inch plasma screen TV. So that's the, the spin that Jesus puts on this story, and it doesn't end well. Did you notice how that story ended? The rich man doesn't have any help, nor is there any help for his brothers who are not dead yet. It just ends. Father Abraham, please. Yeah, sorry. It ends in silence. It ends without hope. They won't listen to the prophets. Oh, sorry about their luck. Hate it for them. And as I thought about how this story ends, and it ends that way in, in the chapter 6, that's how the whole chapter ends in Luke 16. It ends in silence. It ends with the brothers not listening to the prophets. And it reminded me of a song by, guess who? Simon and Garfunkel, look, you are awake. <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel called The Sound of Silence. Paul Simon wrote it when he was only 21 years old, and it, it resonated with the American people and beyond. Landed number one on the billboard charts. The lyrics are about a a man who awakens from a dream. It's a vision of awakening out of ignorance and apathy to a reality. And then he feels the need, feels compelled to tell people, but no one will listen. And this is how the song ends. These are the lyrics. Fools, said I. You do not know silence like a cancer grows. Hear my words that I might teach you. Take my arms that I might reach you. But my words like silent raindrops fell and echoed in the wells of silence. And the people bowed and prayed to the neon god they made. And the sign flashed out its warning in the words that it was forming. And the sign said, the words of the prophets are written on the subway walls and tenement halls and whispered in the sounds of silence. The words of the prophets What does prophet mean in that context, anyway? A prophet is someone who rises out from the apathy and the ignorance and tells the truth. That's what a prophet is. And I want to tell you that if it is truth, then it is of 
God. I'm going to say it again. I want that to sink in. If it is truth, it is of God. You don't believe me? Listen to St. Augustine who said this. If it is truth, it is from God. That's Rhonda. That's not St. Augustine. Here's what St. Augustine said. If there is something more excellent than the truth, then that is God. If not, then truth itself is God. That's St. Augustine for you. The problem with being a prophet is that no one wants to listen to the prophet. And sometimes, if you're a prophet, you'll be ridiculed, and sometimes you'll be put to death. I'm convinced that Jesus was hung on a cross because he was the living truth. We couldn't handle the truth then, and we still can't handle the truth. I've been really interested this week to watch a story unfold. And I, with, with some stories that you see on the news, I try to lift myself and, and kind of take the 30,000-foot view, you know, without the partisan spin from the left or right. What's really happening? What's the fact? Come on, without the spin. And so there's been a 16-year-old girl named Greta. Have you seen this? She's from Sweden. 16-year-old Greta speaking to world leaders at the UN. And, and you know what the left has done? They've glorified her. And you know what the right has done? They've vilified her. I'm just kind of like, well, what's, what's the truth here? And one, one true point is that has caught my attention, and you'll find out why in just a minute, is that this 16-year-old girl has Asperger's, Asperger's syndrome. And I know a little something about Asperger's. I have the privilege and the honor of living with someone who has Asperger's. And one of the things that I've learned in parenting an Aspie, that's the that's the endearing word that we call folks with Asperger's. And raising someone with, As with Asperger's syndrome is that folks who have Asperger's, most of them, they, they don't lie. And, and they, don't, they don't know how to do nuance. It's not in their repertoire. And so Asperger's folks, Aspies, are the quintessential truth tellers. They don't know any other way but to just name the truth. And, and whatever your thought about what Greta is saying, I'm convinced that she is naming her truth. She is scared and she's angry at me and at you and all the other grown-ups who have just kind of been like, huh, ah, whatever. She's scared and she's angry and that's her truth. Is she a prophet? You tell me. I don't know. So, let's see. I've talked about Jesus. I've talked about Asperger's. I've talked about, what was the other one? Simon and Garfunkel. Let me go back to Jesus for just a moment because I, li I like Jesus. Where's the love in this passage that ends with the rich man still in torment? Where's the hope in this passage? I want to suggest that the love and the hope is in the silence that follows. It's in between the lines. You see, there was no hope for this rich man because he's already dead. The thing is, there is hope in this passage because, guess what? You and me, we're not dead. I don't think. There's still hope for us. This is Jesus' warning that we still have time. We still have a chance. And so on this Creation Care Sunday, we can kind of look at the huge problem of climate change and think, I'm just one person, what can I do? 
Or we can look at the huge problem of plastics ending up in our oceans, 8 million metric tons per year we put in our oceans. And we can think, I'm just one person, what, what can I do? I'll, t- I'll give you the answer. You want the answer? I'll give it to you. You can do one small, small thing. We can do one small, small thing. I'm proud of you, Chapel, for becoming the first church to become Ocean Allies certified. Did you know that about yourself? The first church. And we can think, oh, what's one little church going to do with this problem? Well, maybe not much. We're just a small church. But when we join together with 50 other businesses here on Clearwater Beach and beyond, well, now, now we're making some momentum. We're making some progress, aren't we? If the whole beach, you know, start reducing plastics. And then, and then if the, the founders of Ocean Allies, if their dream becomes true and we become leaders, not only regionally, but across the state, across the nation, even internationally, if we become recognized as the number one eco-friendly beach in the world, well, now, now people are going to want to do what we're doing. Now, are we making a dent now? You see, it's just one small, small thing. We are called to be good stewards of this resource, this planet that we are given. And with that, it takes just small, small lifestyle changes from each of us. And here's my confession. That's the last part of the sermon title, remember? I haven't cared enough. I've cared too little. But maybe if I can make one small, small change, and maybe if you can make one small, small change, then we can make a difference. The rich man, there wasn't time for him, but there is still time for you and for me. We can make a change. The question is, will we? You know what? I've made a real mess up here. I wonder if some of you might... Help me clean it up. Thanks for tuning in to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining.